All right, welcome back to another episode of the EdTrex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. So it's great uh, to be back on the podcast. We've got some guests with us today, and we'll let them introduce themselves, as we always do. Hi, I'm Megan Fairborn. I have been teaching uh, for 15 years. I'm finishing my 16th year, I should say. Um, I taught math, 7th and 8th grade math. I taught uh, for three years in Louisiana, uh, and then I've taught the rest of the time out in Utah. Um, I am currently the assistant principal at two elementary schools, one in Bountiful and one in Centerville. Um, And I have had, I don't think many people can say this, but I've had 34 consecutive first days of school. 34 consecutive, like you mean a whole month was first days of school? No, I know. I mean, every year in August, I had a first day of school for 34 years. I've never had a break away from school wow. in 34 years. 34 years, first 34 days of school. Years. That's impressive. That's pretty good. Right? But also kind of terrifying at the same time. I know. Yeah, is that yeah. a good thing that you've had 34, <laughs> or is that... You know, I think it gives me a little bit of uh, an edge over most educators. Yeah, you don't mm. want to break the streak don't now. Don't want to break like, the oh, streak. I've got 34, I'm not going to... Every August, I get really excited. All right. I know Very that's cool. nerdy, but whatever. That's all right. Great. We're all well, teachers here, so yeah, you're in good crowd. <laughs> yeah, great good. to have you, Megan. And over here we have... I'm Denise Wilmore, and I've taught for 24 years, and I've taught in Minnesota, Colorado, and, and also in Davis District for the last 10 years. I teach second grade at Valley View Elementary in Bountiful. And I'm also a Hope Street, as Megan is, a Hope Street Utah fellow this year. So let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about that program. What is it? Uh, what, what is its objectives? What are its goals? Um, what should the community know about it? I would say its objective is to kind of help change the narrative of education in specifically Utah. I mean, eventually the world, but specifically in Utah, we just try our best to um, speak for teachers, and by doing so, uh, speak in the best interest of children. Um, not only uh, in Utah within the educational realm, but also in the legislature and in the press and social media and all those things. And to add to that, we are really working hard at amplifying the voice of teachers. And as Megan said, we are advocating for our students. We are on the front line with the students every day, and we have their best interests in mind. Wonderful. No, I hate my hats off to you for taking that on because that is definitely something that needs to be done. And I'm sure there's a lot of work that goes into that that's pretty much unrecognized, especially kind of starting out on different scales. So I look forward to following that. Well, a lot of decisions are made in the state of Utah by people that really don't know what's going on day to day in the classroom. And so what we're working really hard on is what we're doing now we're not just working on it but what we are doing is we are getting out there we're a part of committees we're um, talking to our legislators we're talking to school board members and and really letting them know what's going on in the classroom that's wonderful um so let's start with that one of the things that we, we we're curious about quinn and i are how teachers become advocates and how they are advocates within the classroom outside the classroom so How did you guys start your journey to be an advocate, and what does that mean for you inside and outside the classroom? Well, my journey started in my classroom. I mean, 
we advocate for our students in terms of what their needs are, their different learning styles, um, their needs for differentiation. We may have students that are struggling learners. Um, it starts with really looking at the data and looking at the needs of our students. Also look, looking at learning styles. Um, when I first started teaching, someone, a family member said, well, you know, you teach one year and just keep, you know, just keep copying off your materials and you can use them from year to year, but that's not the case. Um, every single year we get a new group of, I get a new group of students and so I have to really get to know them and advocate for their needs. And also, um, I also really work on making that connection with parents because sometimes parents don't really understand what's going on inside of the classroom. So you have to advocate for their, their child in terms of what's working, what's not working, how can we work together. And then collaborating with um, our colleagues too is where the advocacy starts in the classroom. You know, I would, my journey began uh, in college. I switched my major from zoology because I wanted to be a cardiologist to um, elementary education. And I remember calling my dad up. Uh, I'm from Louisiana, but I went to school out here in Utah. And I called my dad up in Louisiana and I said, Dad, I'm going to be a, I want to be a teacher. And he just, I could see his face. He just probably shook his head and closed his eyes. And then he said, why are you wasting your brain on that? You know, and, and I just remember thinking, oh, I thought he'd be excited. Why wasn't he excited for me? And so um, the interesting thing is, is as he's seen what I have done and, you know, the students that I've worked with and the, the mind, the headspace that I have to be in as a teacher and all the different intricacies that go into it, he has completely changed his tune. And I think... Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this this morning, how many, how many, how much doctors get paid, you know? Doctors get paid a whole don't, lot. Don't think about that too much. Well, <laughs> I, I do, you know. And then they could, they could say things like, well, they went to a lot of school. Well, I've been to 34 years of school. Have you, doctor? Right? Right. right? And uh, they say, well, we save lives. And I think to myself, I've buried about 12 students in my 15, 16 years, I've buried 12 students, seen that the, their lives either be taken or their lives, them take their own lives. And I, I always say to myself, you know, what could I have done differently to help this kid not meet this end? You know, and it, it can really weigh on you. But I had a friend point out to me, you know, Megan, you'll never know how many lives, think of all the lives that you did save, you know, in an in, in aspect. And so that, that makes me think a lot about how I didn't waste my brain, you know, how many, through advocating for, to the, for the children um, to their parents, advocating for children to themselves. I mean, a lot of times these kids needs, need an advocate, not even educationally, they need one emotionally. And I think what we do as teachers is probably one of the most important jobs out there because we are, in a sense, determining the outcome of a kid's life. Yeah, I completely agree that it is a very important job. And those that, that really haven't been involved in education to the level that, that we have don't understand those intricacies mm -hmm. and everything that goes into it. And once they're kind of connected to somebody that's really involved, they're kind of all of a sudden their minds open like, wow, I didn't really understand that there was so much involved in education and just what you do every day. And even even 
being in education for a while now, it's still like all the time as I talk to people, whether it's on the podcast, whether whether it's when we're out at conferences, uh, connecting with people, you, I always learn something new that I didn't know about education. I feel like it's almost impossible to probably know everything there is about education at any given point. And so it is a large task. And so you have a large task to to almost tell people or kind of educate people uh, of what it takes to, to do that, whether it's parents, whether it's legislators, whether it's just the public in general. You know, Quinn, what I'm finding is I, I, ha- I see this attitude that people think that it's an easy job. And because they were in a classroom once, everybody's been in a classroom and it looks easy and and it looks like teachers are just hanging out with kids, but it's so far beyond that. I mean, when you look at each individual child, I'm constantly thinking about how am I going to meet each child's needs, not a group's needs, but each individual child's needs. And so if you've never really been in a classroom, it looks easy, but it's really not. But you know what, though? I think you're wrong that people think it's as easy. I think, I think, I don't think you're wrong in that aspect because I would never disagree with you, Denise. Ever. Denise, is like, <laughs> Denise is like my soul sister. We both okay. work in I Davis. I thought maybe Dish. she was signing your paycheck. So. Yeah. No, no. No. One no. day, maybe. maybe. One day, maybe, you know. But I think people just want to say, don't, don't want to open their eyes to what goes on in a classroom. Imagine, I mean, I walk down the halls as an assistant principal and I walk by these teachers and I think, you are amazing. You are hanging out in there with 30 kids for like seven hours in the day. 30 kids. Who hangs out with 30 kids for seven hours out of the day and meets all their needs? So I think they say that because I think they want to justify justify in their own minds not giving education as much respect. Does that make sense what I'm yeah. saying? Well, and there's also the stigma. I want to go back to something you said, Megan, this idea that um, like a couple days ago I had a student who came to me and said, Mr. Winters, you – have all these degrees you seem successful basically you seem put together and first of all I giggled internally um <laughs> and then I went I was, then she said the she dropped the dime she said why are you a teacher and I think there's the stigma that education is being a teacher is difficult but easy at the same time and there's some weird back and forth between those two polar opposites but that the the, the overarching thing is that anybody can do it I think that's against the reality of what actually the, the and team, that's the, that's the what I was kind of were. picking up as Denise was talking there. It's almost like saying I've been to a concert, so now I can be on stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And it's two totally different things. And I think that everybody's had that education experience, and so they've been through it, you know, to some degree. And so they feel like since they they had it on the student side, that it's not wouldn't be that hard to step on the other side. And it it is completely a whole different experience, and it's nothing like you anticipate. Um, when you get on the teacher side. Right. And well, you ask about advocacy, and, and one of the pieces of advocating is advocating and supporting new educators. Because I see new educators come in, and they, if they, especially if they have not had a student teaching experience, they are completely blindsided because mm-hmm. it is a lot more difficult than what they thought. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between, you know, now you're leading 
mm-hmm. you know, 30 people, as opposed to your experience before was you were kind of just follower. You would just kind of listen to the instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, once you start to give the instructions, all kinds of doubt can enter your mind and, mm-hmm. and all of the what ifs and what will their parents think or how are they going to react and managing all of that. So it's a big thing. Yeah. Um, I guess that leads to two big th- two big questions. One, uh, one is, is how do we advocate for the teaching profession to essentially reprofessionalize it in people's minds? And then secondarily, how do we advocate so that teachers stay in the teaching profession? Because the attrition rates are high. Um, and go ahead and solve those two huge issues right now. Yeah, you got about what, <laughs> seven and a half minutes or something. Go. So. You know, I think, I think um, all the technology that's being brought into the classroom is, is going to help retain teachers as well, especially new teachers. I'm going to say especially new teachers, as well as I think um, open the eyes of how professional it really is. I think uh, I know that Denise was saying that she did a podcast with her students. I mean, that's opening it up to the public, what's going on in her classroom. I think the more that we can show what we can do in a professional manner, I mean, having students create their own PowerPoints is so last decade. We Any kid can do that. But can a kid get up there on code? My son came up to me yesterday, Mom, can I get on code.org? And he just had a great time with that. And he said, my teacher told me about it. So I think the more we bring in technology, I think it's going to attract more people because it is so challenging. And I think the more we share, you know, that's a big part of uh, being a Utah fellow is sharing the things that we're doing. And now we have the forum for that through podcasts, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram. So I think that shining a light on what we're doing is going to really help to reprofessionalize it. Yeah, I think that that sharing, I think that is the key. If you think about, you know, really introducing the technology and everything, it was it was hard for teachers to share when basically everything they had to share was in a file cabinet. Right. So physically, just logistically, it was difficult to share. You had to get your stuff and bring it together. But digitally now, you can share anywhere in the world in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big transition for those that have been in teaching for a while to to understand that basically everything's just a click away and and kind of shift gears. But how do you – you got to promote that. you got to have transparency in what you're doing. And uh, – and communication. And I think that sharing creates a community. And I think being able to stay a teacher, you need that community. Mm-hmm. You need your community of people around you, whether they're the class next door, the class at the other school. And the more sharing we do, the more we create a community like the Hope Street group, group. Excuse me. We're like this huge community of teacher nerds that we just can talk about anything. Well, we're uh, we're from all over the state of Utah and and, and it is really amazing to get everybody's perspective because there's high school teachers, there are administrators, there are elementary school teachers. So it is, it is, um, oh, it is, it is really amazing um, to get everyone's perspective. But yeah, I, I think that what I'm picking up here, you know, as I sit here and kind of internalize everything that you're saying is, okay, you can be an advocate, you can be an advocate for the student. You almost right. need to be an advocate for each other when you're teaching, oh, yeah. an advocate for parents and right. the community, and almost 
crossed advocating all <laughs> advocating. We need to come up with words. All for of that. that. Yeah. Multifunctional <laughs> advocating. I don't know. That's There's right. something there. There's we'll something high tech we'll there that we'll we get can get an acronym for that. Yeah. Davis yeah. will. Yeah. Davis yeah. Davis we'll, we'll toss it out <laughs> yeah. to, to Twitter or something like <laughs> yeah. that. They'll they'll come yeah, up but, with it. But yeah. you, you're not just an advocate advocate for for the students. It's an advocate for education and all of the stakeholders that are involved, because I think that's the only way that you kind of get all on the same page and synchronize. Well, we are the voice of education. I'm, teachers are the voice of, for students, we're the voice for parents. We, and, and I think that has gotten forgotten um, for many years, is like decisions have been made and, and the teacher, teacher voice wasn't included. What the Utah Fellows has done is there are many fellows that are a part of um, a licensing, licensing committee um, and having their input put in, into laws that are being passed. And um, so I think what this program is doing is increasing teacher voice and increasing that advocacy and also showing people the importance of advocating for your students and for yourselves. So what I what I kind of hear is that definitely teachers need to have a voice, right? right? So and and you, the two of you have definitely are using your voice to advocate advocate for teachers and students and education in general. So if a teacher's listening right now and they don't know where to start to have their voice heard, what would you tell them? I would tell them to start talking. I would tell them to start talking. You know, start talking to their neighbors, start talking to their parents start talking to their siblings and then start talking on Facebook start talking just start the conversation so many people have said I didn't know that about education just like Quinn you were talking about how you learn everything I don't know if it was earlier but when we were just talking chit-chatting um, you just said every day you learn something new about education well there's so many people who don't know about it so I think the more you talk the more people are going to say you know that Megan Fairborn she had a good idea let's see if she wants to be on this committee you know, or that Megan Fairborn had this idea. Make sure she's not on that committee. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Shut her up. Goes both ways. It does, and that's okay. You know, but just open your mouth. You got to say something. Not everybody's gonna like what comes out of everybody's mouth, but it's still like, I. It's still like opening the door, like opening the conversation about what is occurring in education. Right. When you talk about like having 27 kids in a classroom, not many people know that our class sizes are so big. And then, you know, there are a lot of other issues that are occurring, too. We are seeing an increase of kiddos with with mental health um, problems. Yeah, and my family was shocked that I helped fish a kid out of a creek behind my school last Friday. They're like, your job is weird. I'm like, I know. You got to well, do what you got to do. Yeah. Right. You, you never, never know. know. Well, it's a human system. You're responding to the humans and what yeah. happens in that system. And you really have to pay attention to their needs. And sometimes it's bizarre. It's so weird. <laughs> but you have stories to tell, you, right? Oh, so. oh I have. Days. Yes. <laughs> for days. Great stories but to just tell. just opening your mouth. Well, the other piece of it is, is we are not teaching a jug of milk. You know, for example, they're not all the same. Every student that walks in our door has their own unique personality, their own characteristics, and their own life experience. They're, they're not, you know, it's not like teaching, you know, it's not like we have 27 little robots in our classroom or whatever. You know, we, they each have their own unique personalities. And we do have to 
like work with his it's it's actually pretty creative and interesting because they all bring different things every single day. Yeah. And so on the other side of, of having a voice and just speaking up and start talking and start having the conversation, and you you the two of you have been basically sharing your voice for some time, how important it is is it to listen to other people's voice then? Well, you can't have a conversation if you're not willing to listen. I mean, right. we've got two ears, one mouth, you know. So basically where I was going with that is that, you know, when you speak up and you share your voice, you can't be dead set on what you have to say. You have to be kind of flexible. Oh, yeah. And hear everybody else so you can kind of come up with the best solution and the best approach is kind of absolutely. It really has going. to be a conversation. For mm-hmm. example, if I were speaking speaking to a board member, I would start the conversation by saying, help me understand this policy because this is what's going on in my classroom and this is how it is affecting me, but help me understand where you are coming from or where the board is coming from. Well, it's about reading a room and being able to understand exactly what needs to be said, but in a way that says it effectively. Yeah, you can't just go in and throw eggs at the board. They don't respond well to that. It's respectful communication. No Mm -hmm. one is going to listen to you if you're just a loud mouth with a Mm blowhorn. You have to, as Megan said, you have to listen. No, what I I like about how you just said that in your board member example is that you don't always have to have something to say in a statement and and define it. You You can start basically voicing, sharing your voice by asking questions. Right. And asking questions, getting kind of some clarity on things. And that will help kind of start the conversation as well. I think one thing I wanted to get across tonight, today, too, along with that is how has advocacy changed your students? Have you guys I mean, you're modeling this behavior of being an advocate. How has that changed your classroom culture and your classroom? Uh, the, the student the, Denise is on the edge of her seat. Yes, I exactly. am. I'm, I'm all <laughs> over this. One. <laughs> She's got it. Well, um. I first became involved in a teacher leadership program about three years ago um, through another organization. And prior to that, I was I had one foot out the door and I was done. I just I just didn't see like there was any light at the end of the end of the tunnel. I felt like I just felt like my job, you know, no one really cared about education and my voice wasn't being heard. And then I had a friend that said, hey, let me, let me get you involved in this program. And then that's when my journey started. So I'm very grateful for the mentors that I've had in my career, especially, um, especially that person who is Sharon Gallagher-Fishbaugh. She, she really encouraged me to do leadership, um, or she really encouraged leadership opportunities or pointed me in those ways. And then when um, the Utah Fellows came up, I really wanted to do, I really wanted to be a part of this program. It has made me see the importance of teacher voice. It has, and then why I'm advocating every single day I go in and I see these 27 little smiling faces, sometimes not all smiling, but it has changed. It has made me feel more positive about what I'm doing. I take... I have started to take a lot more pride in my job, and I was losing that, and I was losing my passion for teaching, um, and I I just feel like this has been a shot in my arm, because I feel like I do make a difference. 
And I, I think that, that that right there kind of sums it up for me is that by really by sharing your voice, and I, I know I've experienced this before too, is when you share your voice, you speak up a little bit. It's therapeutic. Maybe there's nothing that's going to be done right then. Somebody heard that, but it kind of is re-energizing in a way. You kind of get that off your chest, a little bit unload, kind of make sure you can hang on to that passion as far as teaching goes. I think that's like probably one of the most important things that you could probably have or you get out of sharing your voice. And on that note, I think that's a great way to end. Um, where can we find you guys out on the web uh, if people want to learn more about you and co- get in contact with you? Um, they can go to our Hope Street group. I think it's Utah Fellows Twitter. Mm-hmm. Well, do you remember mm-hmm. the handle? I'm, I can't remember it. We'll include it in the notes here. Okay, so if we can't find it. Covered all I mean, I don't really look. It's sometimes. like your own phone number. Sometimes I don't know what it is. I don't dial it well, up. My, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my Twitter handle is will to teach more. Hmm. And so if people have uh, questions, they can message me and I can get them in touch with our director. Um, and, and yeah, we people don't necessarily have to be a fellow. Um, in this, to be an advocate, you can just start like at your local board or in your school, be on a committee. That's it, just takes just stepping out of your stepping out of your norm mm-hmm. and and starting. Just kind of get involved, get involved at any point. Yeah, and then right. we do have Definitely. a website, um, hopestreetgroup.org. Ah, yeah, exactly. Hope Street, hopestreetgroup.org, Hope Street Group. Just spell it normal. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Megan and Denise. Um, Thanks for sharing your voice, and we can't wait to hear more from you in the future. Thanks Thanks for having us.